Today's intro section comes from Maze, and specifically the Trey Anastasio guitar solo section, and this one takes place from today's soundcheck show, December 11th, 1997, at the Rochester War Memorial in Rochester, New York. And boy, do I have a lot to say about that, and more importantly, about this show. But welcome back, everybody, to episode 60 of the Daily Soundcheck. I am your host, Mike Lawn Memo Minio. Before we get started, just going to, I mean, this is, it's my first show. I'm coming out to say it right now. This sound check comes from my first show, and it's, of course, incredibly nostalgic for me, and I've had an absolute blast prepping for this. I'm going to take care of a couple house cleaning things, and we'll get into some stories I have, things about this show, and uh, it should be pretty fun. Of course, we are the Daily Soundcheck, are a proud partner of the Osiris Podcast Network, which you can find at OsirisPod.com. We have an incredible amount of outstanding podcasts on our network. Happy to point you in the way of some of the great ones and maybe fi- help you find out what you might be interested in. So hit me up if you are interested in some of our great partners over at Osiris. You can, of course, find the Daily Soundcheck at TheDailySoundcheck.com. The best place to find us is right there pictures, links, everything's archived. And if you want to help out the pod, there's a donate button there. If you want to show some love, always appreciate it around here. You can also follow me on Twitter, of course. I am at Lawn Memo. I do a lot of tweeting. It might be the thing I'm best at, and I'm really not that good at that. So, But it's a cool place to kind of see what I'm up to and what I'm thinking about. Of course, uh, the link to iTunes also on the soundcheck. And if you are listening to us, on iTunes. Appreciate if you would give us a five-star review. Really helps out the podcast. So let's jump in to December 11th, 1997 at the Rochester War Memorial. And yes, folks, my first show. So I was a 17-year-old kid, and I can't completely remember if this was my first concert, but I'm pretty sure it was. I may have seen Rusted Root before that, but I can't remember if it was before or after, and it was right around that time period. Uh, I had been listening to Fish for a couple years. A friend of mine's brother, uh, who played on our soccer team, he had a copy of Lawn Boy, and I remember listening to that on the way to a soccer game. And I just remember looking at the CD case, looking at the back and seeing John Fishman with the vacuum, him telling me, you know, this guy plays the vacuum in this band. I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. And we listened to it, and I remember hearing Run Like an Antelope and being very, very impressed. Although I didn't really know what to be impressed by, because my music selection and what I liked at the time, of course, as being a 17-year-old kid, it was it was forming. I not really know what I was doing. But I did get into Fish pretty good. I listened to that. I was given Junta. I was given Picture of Nectar. And I had been listening to a lot of Studio Fish before I was going to the first concert here in 97. So I was pretty familiar with the Fish catalog when we went, but um, I'm a pretty good kid. You may know me from having a pill from Polly up at uh, the Gorge, but that's very unlike me. I'm pretty goody two-shoes if you really do know, you know what I'm all about. And that was especially the case for me in high school. So I was junior in high school, and I remember going up to the Rochester War Memorial, and I remember walking through the parking lot. I had barely drank at the time, let alone smoked weed, let alone done any other drugs. And we walked through the parking lot in the parking garage, and I remember a guy coming up to me and saying, Nuggets, Nuggets. 
And I think you all know, most most of you know that I have a sweet tooth and I'm into ice cream and sweets. And I assume nuggets was like a nugget, like a like a brownie, but not like a brownie that would have wheat in it. I didn't even know that was a thing. So I was ready to go down on that and eat or whatever to the guy with the nuggets until my friends that had a little bit more experience than me pulled me aside. So my first experience in the fish lot in quasi shakedown, because of course it was an indoor show, was being absolutely clueless when a guy yells nuggets in my ear. We drank Aftershock and Goldschlager at this show. That's, of course, 17-year-old man really living the, the fine life. <laughs> uh, God, it was so bad, but it, it did the job. I had a good buzz going on into the show. Now, the show, for me, what you heard in the intro is the moment of fish for me. If you're familiar with this show, the way it rolls is it opens with Punch You in the Eye, and then one of my favorite pieces of music in fish history, a 20-minute down with disease in the two-hole. And what's really special about that is the last eight minutes, and we're going to talk about that a little bit longer. But it's a very mellow jam, and I was just kind of feeling my way through. I didn't really understand anything like that. But then Maze ended up in the third slot for this show. And I think I was immediately drawn to bands like Led Zeppelin. My dad played a lot of Pink Floyd. I had uh, some Bruce Springsteen with the E Street Band going on for my mom and some Steely Dan, stuff like that. So, I mean, the Zeppelin especially, I was into Get the Let Out, and I was all about anything I could get my hands on Led Zeppelin. So I like the hard and the young and the energy. You know, you have all the energy when you're young. And when Maze hit, it completely blew my mind. When Trey ripped into the solo, a good portion you heard in the intro, that's when I was like, this is unlike anything I've ever heard or, of course, had seen, and I was all about it. And from there, the show was incredible. It's, of course, legendary and, you know, right in the middle of fall 97. You can't ask for a better first show. So, you know, it it was the perfect show for me to see at the right time and I was all into fish from there I remember getting a live one and I played that I mean there's no CD that I've ever played more than that in my life it completely dominated everything that I listened to I had a three CD AOA sound system that was $500 back in the day and it absolutely cranked and that's all I did was play fish and fish a live one especially so you know Coming back to this show, there's incredible memories for me, and you know it's it, it's nostalgia. And I know you know sometimes Fish says they don't want to be a nostalgia act, and I, I appreciate that. It's what makes them so great is they keep moving forward. But for most of us, a lot of us have been fans for a long time, and for me, it's over 20 years. And for many of you probably listening, it's even longer than that. And those memories are an important part of how we listen and how we feel about Fish. And I I cherish those very deeply. And certain songs, like The Maze Peak you just heard as a 17-year-old kid, just mind-blown. Every time I hear it now, it still it fires up that feeling. And nostalgia is an important part. Songs I've heard from for years that they've played for so long, if they hit me in the right spot, it's everything. So, of course, I want them to push forward. And I I love the new material. And I'm, I'm certainly in the camp of pushing and going, but don't ever underestimate the power of nostalgia and all those memories that we have. Just, I listened to that Maze Peak about 30 times, just 
replaying it over and over to get myself back in that headspace. And it just, I, I felt so amazing just listening to it. So that's enough about kind of my own personal story at the War Memorial. I am from Rochester. I grew up there and I do know a little bit about the city. So let's talk a little bit about Rochester and specifically the War Memorial. Now, the War Memorial opened in 1955 on October 18th, and it was remodeled in the mid-90s. And in September 18th of 1998, it was officially reopened as the Blue Cross Arena at the War Memorial. For those of you outside, Blue Cross, huge, huge medical insurance company in this area. Uh, originally, the first tenant of the War Memorial was the Rochester Royals, which was an NBA team, and they played their last two seasons there. The 1956 NBA All-Star Game was actually held at the War Memorial. Now it's home to two teams, the Rochester Americans, which is a AHL hockey team, and the Rochester Nighthawks, which is a lacrosse team in the National Lacrosse League. So two teams are home. The Americans have been there from almost the start. They've been there for 63 straight years. And as much as the, an AHL team can be a part of a community, the Americans. The Rochester Americans are called the Americks. They are a major part of Rochester with a rich history. They have amazing uniforms also and a lot of great memories going there. Uh, my team was a great basketball team. I went to Palmyra Macedon outside of Rochester and the Section 5 championships is played at the War Memorial. So I was there a couple times as we won sectional finals there a couple times with some uh, amazing memories for me there. Now, the War Memorial is owned by Pagula Sports and Entertainment. Now, Terry Pagula is an incredible huge billionaire for those of you outside of western new york he made his money in fracking and he owns the buffalo bills and the buffalo sabers and now he has bought the war memorial so he plans to renovate they're putting new bathrooms in they're gonna put in some new concessions restaurant improve the locker rooms so hopefully the you know incredible history of the war memorial can live on now, the Blue Cross has a portable stage that is 80 foot by 80 foot, and that goes in for concerts, huge, huge, uh, about the size of Radio City stage. Now, one of the most famous events in Rochester history took place here at the War Memorial, and for the wrong reasons. On November 1st, 1965, the Rolling Stones played their shortest concert in history, lasting only six songs. According to police reports, what happened was there was crazy, especially women in the front, that were wild and whooped up into a frenzy. And when one of the band members of the Rolling Stones took off his jacket, it is unclear who it was, I'm assuming, uh, you know, Jagger, he took his jacket off and there was this huge thing that all these women were going to start taking these their clothes off. So the police went on stage and shut the concert down after 15 minutes and six songs. Uh, Keith Richards went to Rochester and he talked to the police and said, this is a hick town. They're twice as wild in Montreal. They won't get hurt. You were too hard on them. So they flew out of Rochester right after the show and they got the heck out of there and put an incredibly bad image on the Rochester landscape. So that story is pretty famous. Uh, the Dead played here 10 times. There is uh, November 5th, 1977 appears on Dick Dick's Picks Volume 34, and part of September 2nd, 1980, is on Dick's Picks Volume 21. So a pretty good concert history. Elvis also played at the War Memorial. It's a it's a nice little place. You know, Fish was just here a couple of years ago on their fall tour and kind of an up-and-down show, but it was all GA. They did GA for the entire venue, and that was pretty fun. 
So we ended up uh, in the very back for that concert because one of my buddies was uh, bringing in some edibles, Rice Krispie treats that he had gotten and gave some to one of my buddy's father. And he basically spent the whole night with his head down. And so we were in the very back of the venue so he could have a little space and not freak out. But, uh, you know, the War Memorial, really cool place and a lot of history for me. And, you know, Rochester's a great town. Right, it, The War Memorial is right on the Genesee River. Genesee Brewery is very famous for being in Rochester. Xerox uh, still goes there. Kodak was really what the city was founded on and, you know, what made it a pretty good community for a long time. But that is uh, since not been around. So Kodak has had their struggles. And, you know, Rochester's good people. There's a good arts and uh, good food scene in that area. And they're very famous for a thing called the garbage plate. And the garbage plate is something that you eat at about 3 a.m. Some places don't even open till about 2 when the bars let out. Now, the garbage plate you get is uh, was invented at this place called Nick Tahoe's. And you get two hot dogs or two hamburgers. And then you get, like, mac salad or mac and cheese. You put fries on there. And you you build this whole thing up. And what makes it is in Rochester, their hot sauce is actually like a meat sauce. So it's this big meat hot sauce that goes everything. So you've got your potato and you got your mac salad and your fries. And then you put the hamburgers on there and then you put this huge meat sauce. And it just makes this like volcano of food. And it is probably the greatest drunk food in mankind history. It's amazing while it goes down, and it is also not that fun the next day. But if you go to Rochester, you got to have yourself a garbage plate. If you're unfamiliar with the area, Rochester is pretty close to a certain famous area, Watkins Glen, New York. Probably about an hour from there, maybe 90 minutes. And it is about 60 minutes from Syracuse and 60 minutes from my current hometown, Buffalo, New York. I will be traveling to Rochester to go see my boys, Aqueous this Friday at Anthology in Rochester. So it's pretty cool that I have my city in Buffalo and then just an hour away, my old hometown and lots of good friends out there and some good music venues. So that's pretty much Rochester in a nutshell. And anybody wants questions or is in town, hit me up and I will send you to where you need to go. Before we get to the sound check, there's a couple other things we should probably talk about in regards to this show. Now, very famously, it is the debut of Roses Are Free. And that is completely captured in the documentary Bittersweet Motel. So from the 606 mark of Bittersweet Motel, you can see the Rochester War Memorial in all its glory. And three songs from 121197, uh, The Roses Are Free, Down With Disease and Waste are all on the Bittersweet Motel documentary. And you get a, a little glimpse of the lot scene and you know, it's a pretty amazing thing for me that my first show is captured on video and it I watched it before we recorded today and it's pretty pretty amazing to go down that train again. So, you know, Bittersweet Motel, Rochester, it's pretty awesome stuff. Now, kind of a funny thing I need to kinda of hint on when we're talking about Bittersweet Motel. So if you remember during the Great Went and their whole end scene there, there's a part where there was a nude photo taken at the Great Went. Well, you know, through the power of the internet over the years, I've met so many people on Twitter and I met uh, a bunch of fish people that we all listen to music together. And I had this really good friend and his name is Gooch. And I'll just leave it at that for this purpose. But turns out the guy that completely walks by the camera naked with his schlong hanging out during that scene in bittersweet motel 
is now one of my best friends. So I uh, I go from all the way from Rochester 97 to the Great Went, and then all of a sudden I'm friends with the guy whose dong is in the movie. So kind of a crazy story, and Gooch, uh, yeah, he did okay. He's doing all right, ladies. So let's get to the sound check. So the soundtrack for December 11th, 1997 at the War Memorial simply reads Jam. But it's uh, it's a weird jam. And what happens is it starts with some ambience. And that's going to be with the first thing you heard. You're going to hear almost complete quiet for a little bit. So don't get worried. You're going to hear that. And then some light noises. And then Trey's going to start to talk a little bit. Then he says he wants to do some weird stuff. And he starts to play the theme that you heard at your graduation, the graduation song which is actually called Land of Hope and Glory, and it comes from Pomp and Circumstance. It was composed by Sir Edward Elgar, and it was named for a verse in Othello. The graduation theme was first played in 1905 at Yale, and that was the year that Elgar received his honorary doctorate. So Trey figures out that it's in the key of G, uh, as Paige instructs him, and then they kind of he starts going with it. He starts playing the theme over and over. He plays it kind of straight up at first, and then it gets weird. And at one point, it's basically a graduation on an alien colony on acid. It is wild. This is out there. This isn't like a real jam. Like when we say jam, I'm thinking like everybody's grooving. This is crazy sounds. And you can kind of hear Trey in very lightly. If you got the volume turned up, he actually says that, you know, he's recording stuff for Bittersweet Motel. He goes, oh, you can use some of that and you can do that. That might be cool. So Trey's actually kind of making all these crazy noises so that they can be used at different, you know, menus and changes in Bittersweet Motel. So this is kind of like a little bit of crazy stuff coming from Trey to make the movie. So that's where we are. And that's our sound check. It's 16 minutes and 24 seconds. So this is the jam sound check from December 11th, 1997 at the Rochester War Memorial in Rochester, New York.
try one.
good as that? Yeah, we can get it done over there. Good. Oh, you got that on that, too? That probably sounds better on that. Yeah, because you get the house and everything. Great. Cool. All right, good. That, hopefully that'll work for you. Because you can always just lay that stuff. So you can hear right there at the end, you can hear Trey talking about, hey, you can use that stuff. That's great. You know, they can just put that stuff right in. So, you know, kind of just use the sound check as, you know, recording music for the Bittersweet Motel documentary. So we got a little bit of time. I'm going to do the Down with Z's. That comes in the two hole of this show. And it's kind of interesting for me. So in my very first show, you have what I needed at the time in 1997, which was in your face ripping tray and that's what i was drawn to but that was the third song the second song is this 20 minute down with disease that certainly rips and the first 10 minutes is an absolute shred fest from tray the disease is actually unfinished and it's picked up at the very end of the second set so there is the down with disease reprise finishing in the second set the real magic of this down with disease is the last eight minutes and after the fire flamethrowing insanity that takes place in the first 10 minutes, what happens is one of the chillest, grooviest, and in my opinion, most amazing eight minutes in fish history. And I didn't get that at the time. I was 17. But you fast forward to Michael on Memo Minio at 38, and this is actually the music that really moves me now. And fish for me is certainly about emotions. And when I was 17, the emotion I wanted was fire in your face. And now me at 38 is this music where time stops, where this groove emerges that's unlike anything else. And this down with disease, I just didn't know at the time, is one of my favorite fish jams, period. So I'm going to play that for you. The very end of it you'll listen to, and it goes from that down with disease into the maze we played you in the intro. So this is the incredible Down With Disease in the second slot at Rochester, December 11th, 1997 at the War Memorial. children outside dancing on my lawn dancing on my lawn and I keep waiting for the time when I can finally say oh, this is all in one form but now I'm on my way and I think it's time to leave it all behind trying to find a way to put this other nice say the 
jungles in my mind The climbing up my waterfalls and Swinging on my vine So I try to hear the music But I'm always losing time Cause it's stepping on my rhythm and they're Stealing all my lines Stealing all my lines And I keep
So from there goes the awesome segue into Maze, and that's where we are. I love that Down Disease. It's very Fall 97, but even a tad slower than some of the, you know, real laid-back jams. I mean, that almost is, you know, it's almost nothing at times. And I should mention the Drown that opens the second set also kind of follows the same formula. So if you like that and you haven't heard the Drown for some reason, it's another 20-minute uh, awesome jam where they rip the start and then it breaks down to that cool laid back groove and it's also very very good and from there is the awesome segue into roses are free so again this show from top to bottom is fantastic not to mention a very good ghost which you know that i certainly love well thank you everybody for joining it's been really fun for me to take this walk down memory lane with you so from here i'll have some more shows to talk about that i was at and you know i have some stories i've been around and it's really fun. I know I talked a little bit more than usual, but I hope you enjoyed everything I had to say for today. And I appreciate everybody tuning in. So again, this was episode 60 of the Daily Soundcheck with Mike Law and Memo Minio. We'll be back for episode 61 coming up. And enjoy your fish and peace be the journey. Hi, I'm Carl Gearhart from the Giant Country Horns. This podcast is In the Loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with podcasts and live experiences about artists and topics you love. Check out OsirisPod.com, stay in the loop, and sign up for the newsletter to learn about the newest podcasts and events. Relics Magazine is a media partner of Osiris. 
For music news, go to relics.com.